Heavenly Father, I thank you for showing up here today. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for, uh, for giving me utterance. Father, as we all set our faith in agreement to hear from you today, I thank you for a spirit of wisdom for each individual. Revelation knowledge of you and your word, and that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Father, Eric, we all have the mind of Christ. We're all sharp. We're all quick. We could get this, Father, and we expect to hear from you today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, who's your daddy? Uh, getting to know uh, our family history, part four. Here's our first verse of Scripture. is Matthew 23 and verse 9. Remember, Jesus said this, And call no man or no human your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Now, remember, we've we got to go back a couple weeks because we, we haven't been on this in a couple weeks, so I've got to refresh your memory that in uh, Exodus it said that the iniquities, the inequities, the places where uh, your uh, family history, they didn't enjoy riches on her in life. He said that's passed down for three to four generations. So we want to be careful who we call our father. Remember, when you enter the covenant, your family history is different. You don't have to, you know, uh, I have this with relatives that they'll tell me what my great-granddaddy had and my granddaddy had and, you know, and uh, here's your family history, so you're probably going to get what they had. You ever heard that? You don't have to accept that because you have a different family history now. We saw this in Romans 8 and verse 32. It said that He spared not His own Son, but He delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? That if God didn't spare Jesus and He gave Him up for us, He's not withholding one good thing from us. We need to know that's the first. That's our jumping off point with knowing our Father uh, our Heavenly Father is that He is not trying to hold you down. He's not trying to teach you something with anything on the evil list, with adversity or affliction or lack or suffering or sickness. He, he's not. We saw this also in Romans 8 and verse 15. We'll read this out of the Message Bible. It says that this resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Now, you know what? A lot of people in the body of Christ are just holding on Wait until they pass on. He said, no, this life is not grave-tending. We're not sitting around waiting until we get to the sweet by and by. He said, it's an adventurously expectant life. And, and we greet God with a childlike, what's next, Papa. Not once you get in the family that we just wait till we get to heaven. And, and I always had that question growing up. Because we got people born again and saved every week. And it was the same people getting born again, 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 and again, and again every week because, you know, they felt they didn't measure up so they had to come down to the altar call and get born again again. And <laughs> there was nothing after that. We always were dedicating and rededicating and consecrating. And you know, y- y- y'all ever been in those services? And, and if you've ever been in, like, in the churches I grew up, it was the same, like, you know, handful of people that were always going down to rededicate and reconsecrate and re- get reborn again. And there was nothing after that. So here's our question is, what's next? And in Daniel 11.32, we see that, but the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So here's what's next for us. We get to know God. We get to know our Father. That we can be strong. Remember, just let's remember this because it's been a couple weeks. That the word strong in the Hebrew means that we would have strength and power greater than we expected. <laughs> that means, you know, you might only expect so much out of yourself. How many? I know my abilities. I know where my, I'm at my limits are. And you know, that, so when I get into a situation where, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to perform above those limits... That's when I get scared. He said, but if you know God, He's going to show up and you will perform with a level of strength and power and ability beyond what you even expected of yourself. 
and then said do exploits, which is to employ your talents to the greatest possible advantage. So whatever your, your toolbox, your God-given toolbox of uh, talents and abilities is, you would use those to your greatest possible advantage when you get to know God. It's a byproduct. Now, you know what? No one ever taught me that when I was growing up in church. Like, so why do I need to get to know God? Yes, if somebody told me that coming out the gate, I mean, I could have skipped a whole lot of stuff in life where I was trying to work an angle or trying to perform and trying to uh, make something happen. And if I just got to know God on the front end and really know my Father, then all of my talents and my abilities would have been used to my greatest possible advantage on the front end. You ever have to struggle? You don't have to. Have you ever been in the spot, though, where you have? Where you struggled with, you know, I just can't pull this off? Get to know your father. We saw this in Hosea 4 and verse 6. It said, my people, this is God talking, my people, that's us, we're in the family, that are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. We don't know him. And uh, you know what? The word destroyed, it means to ruin completely, to render useless or ineffective, or to subdue or defeat. And, And look, throughout history, there has been entire nations that were destroyed or ruined completely because they didn't have knowledge of God. We saw in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, it said, Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through how? Knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So look, if you don't want grace and peace, well, we need to find out what those are. Because if you don't want them, then don't get to know God your Father or Jesus our Lord. But if you do want them, and you want them to be multiplied to you in a big way in your life, then we need to get to know our Father. So go to the next one, Drew. I'm going to hit peace first because we're going, to, we're going to get back on grace here in a second. Peace is this, that you would be exempt from the rage and the havoc of war. He say you'd be exempt from war? No, but you'd be exempt from the rage and the havoc of it. If you know your Father. See, because we want peace multiplied to us. Don't you want peace multiplied to you? If it would exempt you from the rage and the havoc and anything that was going on that would bring uh, disruption to your life, that would be a good reason to get to know your Father. Okay, uh, and then we saw that it would bring harmony in your life. That's good relationships. You'd have security and safety. If you know your Father, peace will be with you, multiplied to you as you know your Father. Now, grace is the other thing that we want multiplied to us. And it's the, uh, the Greek word is charis, where we get the word charisma from, and it means advantages and privileges. And also in your Bible, if you see the word favor, that's the same word. It's translated favor. But it means privileges and advantages. So advantages, real quick, it is that you are in a favorable position. A favorable position. And we saw that privilege is this. It literally means the word privilege. Now see, my wife and I would say this all the time. You're about to lose privileges. This is what we say to our kids, right? You're about to lose privileges if they act up, right? Well, privilege means private law. Or that you have a special advantage or immunity. Or you get special permission or a special right. It's a benefit that you get to enjoy. It's a special right. Immunity. So we've been asking this question in the last couple of weeks. What are we immune from? What are we immune from? The first time we took a whack at this, we saw that we were immune from the wrath of God. Remember that? That we were immune from His wrath. That you're perfect in His eyesight. That He remembers your sins no more. Remember that? I know we're having to dig back a couple of weeks. but Okay, so I want to know what else are we immune from. But look at this. Look at this. It says that Christ in Galatians 3.13 has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, that word redeemed in the Greek, I wrote it out there so we could all see it. And you know, Sometimes it's easier if you don't just hear me see, say it, but you could see it for yourself, right? It means that there is a payment 
of a price to recover you from the power of the curse of the law. So what are we immune from? We are immune from the power of the curse of the law. Well, then that brings up a question. What's the curse of the law? Right? I mean, we have to drill down. So here in Deuteronomy 28. Now, the curse, the blessings in Deuteronomy 28 are listed from verse 1 to verse 14. The curses start in verse 15 and go all the way to the end of the chapter, which is like verse 68 or something like that. That's a lot. Like blessings, only a few verses on the front end. Curses, a lot. Now, a couple things we need to point out about the curse of the law. How many, here's the deal. If you weren't under the law and you weren't part of the covenant, how many know the curse didn't apply to you? Because it's the curse of the law. If you weren't, if you weren't Jewish or Hebrew and you weren't in the covenant, how many know the curse, the law applied to you? Uh, if you were outside, the law didn't apply to you. How many know the Ten Commandments weren't written to the Egyptians? So the Egyptians were not a part of the curse of the law. This is something that's covenant specific. And if you see now, everybody on the planet is a part of the curse of the fall, which is when Adam sinned, that's when nature got out of whack and that's when bad stuff started happening. Now everybody, if you live on the planet, you're, you have to deal with that. But the curse of the law, this is worse. It'll hunt you down and kill you personally, specifically go after you, a covenant person. So I'm just going to read a couple verses out of the curse of the law that we're going to deal with now. You can read the rest of it on your own time if you want to. Uh, it's pretty depressing. So we'll just read this part of it, okay, that we want to hone in on today. In verse 58 it says, If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book. Now let's stop right there. That is a big, tall order, isn't it? <laughs> not only would you have to... Okay, to do them all, wouldn't you have to know them all? You see what I'm saying? This is almost impossible to pull off. He said, but here's the, here's the whole intent of, here's the intent of the law of why you would know the words and why you would do them so that you would fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. Now, if you don't do them, here's what happens. He says, if you won't observe all these, and if you don't fear my glorious name, it says, then the Lord, it says in the King James, will make thy plagues wonderful. So, you know, this is where people think that God's doing something to them because in King James English, and really in the NLT, all the new translations, they run it through the religious filter, and they never really studied out what the words were in the root in the Hebrew. They just say, well, God's making it happen. So that word where it says the Lord will make, you look it up on esword.net, you don't take my word for it, it is literally consent without protest. That's the Hebrew root word, is that you would consent without protest or accede. You know, when you accede something... It means you, you give your consent or permission, and it's usually because someone else is encouraging you to do it. Now, who would be encouraging God to just let them do whatever if they weren't obeying the covenant? Who would be the encourager to God? Who's the prosecuting attorney? Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. So who would come up to God and say, look, they're not doing what you said. You've got to let me do something to them. Satan would say that. So it says here that the Lord, if you don't obey everything that's in the, in the covenant, the Lord will allow, He will consent without protest. Under the law, a forfeiture of your rights was that you didn't do what the law said. So here comes Satan as the prosecuting attorney and says, you've got to let me you know, do this to him. And so God silently would just, without protest, say, go ahead. He has to take his hands off it. Now, 
Is God doing it to you? No. Could he stop it? Not really. Because you, you're the one that signed up in the covenant. If you're breaking the covenant, right? Y'all following this? Now, this, the curses are specific. He said, your plagues, they'll be wonderful. Actually means scary in the Hebrew. And the plagues of thy seed, that's your children, and great plagues of long continuance. Y'all ever have something you just couldn't shake for a while, like sinuses or something that just wouldn't go away, or a cough? You know, when I came back from Desert Storm, remember they had that Gulf War syndrome? You ever heard of that? Where it's messed with your sinuses because you're breathing the oil and all that. Well, for years, every, like December to February, I would just be coughing. I couldn't get rid of the cough. So that's what I had every, you know, and then I would say that. Well, you know, here comes December. You know, every December to February, I get that cough. And <laughs> until I figured out this, what I'm about to teach you today. It was a long continuance. I just couldn't shake it. And it says, and sore sickness of long continuance. In verse 6, he says, Moreover, he will bring, now again, here's the Hebrew, he will withdraw, it says, and consent without protest. Now, it, here's the deal with God. Remember, he's your father. He's a gentleman. He's not going to insert himself into your life if you don't want him to. So when you shut him down, he's going to withdraw. If you don't, if you don't want to, remember, the intent of the law was that you would fear his glorious name. Remember what fear of the Lord is? Hate, evil adversity, affliction, calamity. And if you don't want to go there, He's going to withdraw. If you don't want to hate sickness, He'll withdraw from you and He'll consent without protest. He is not putting it on you. Uh, we're going to find out here in a, in a minute, and we just saw that Jesus uh, redeemed us from the curse of this. He redeemed us from this curse. He said He'll withdraw from us and all the diseases of Egypt, because uh, that was the, uh, the, the civilized world at that time that the Hebrews knew, all the diseases of Egypt that you were afraid of are going to cleave unto you. Everything that you're afraid of, did you, everything that you're afraid of will cleave unto you. See, because you know, you ever heard, oh hell, you know, here comes flu season, you know, I'm just afraid I'm going to get the bird flu or whatever. You ever heard people, people are afraid they're going to get cancer. I know some people, they ain't got cancer, they'll, they'll tell you, I'm going to get cancer, you know, everybody in my family got it, you know, when I'm 40, I'm, I'm going to take a time bomb, or heart disease, or diabetes. They're just afraid, you know what? Hey, guess what? You're going to get it. If the word's true, you keep, you keep going down that path. He says it's going to cleave to you. He said also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book. I mean, he, any disease that you know and every disease that you don't know, the ones that haven't come around yet, how I many know AIDS wasn't around? They didn't know about AIDS. When they, you know why? Listen, here's what happened. When Adam fell, you know our bodies were not made to be sick. So when Adam fell, you know he lived like a thousand years. Like 900 years. Well, how could that be? Because Satan ain't figured out how to kill this body yet. It's taken him a long time to get up to speed on how to kill it. And he's getting creative after about 6,000 years. That's, you know, all these new things that come out are a different strain. Have you heard that? You know, like antibiotics don't work on that now because we have a different strain of this. Satan's getting smart. He's figuring out way ahead. He's got a lot more time on the planet than we do. So new diseases are being invented all the time. Understand that. That where it comes from. And he says, and all these things the Lord will bring upon thee. It's not what it says in the Hebrew. It says that he will depart from you above. Again, he'll withdraw until you are destroyed. And my people, what? Are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So we need to learn some stuff, right? Don't we? Alright, so listen. I'm, I'm, this whole thing about uh, sickness, and you don't have to be sick. Look, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
So that, if that's true, that He redeemed us from the curse of the law, and we saw that the curse of the law was every kind of sickness, just that one piece of the curse covered sickness. There was other stuff that covered finances, other stuff covered family issues. I just took the piece that covered sickness. And if Jesus redeemed us from the curse of sickness, why, why do we still get sick? Why do people in church, in covenant, in the family get sick? Well, isn't that really the question? Well, you know what? So instead of ministers down through the years finding out what the deal was, and then, you know what, even if my experience doesn't match up to the Word, I need to find out where I missed it, what they would do was water down the Word and say that healing isn't for today, so I didn't want to give you, quote, quote, false hope, instead of teaching you how to fight it. And teaching you that, you know what, Jesus paid a very high price for you to be healed and to walk in health, so let's find out why you are sick. I mean, there should be nobody in the body of Christ that's sick. If Jesus is the head and we're the body, let's ask this question, does Jesus have cancer? And if He's the head, then why does somebody in His body have cancer? Then Jesus would have cancer, wouldn't He? If He's the head and we're the body, does Jesus have to deal with sniffles? Cold flu, bird flu, anthrax? See, see what I'm saying? Well, why is that? But... If we're redeemed from it, Andrew, why? If we're redeemed from the curse of the law, why would somebody still be sick? There's two reasons. Here's in Galatians 3. We just back up three verses in verse 10. Listen, most of mainline Christianity, mainstream Christianity, uh, which we, you ever heard that term, Judeo-Christian values, it's all built on the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Or let me put it this way. Let's see, Father, help me help, help me help say it. What it's built on is a list of do's and don'ts. Okay? We don't do the bad checklist, cuss, drink, smoke, or chew, or what those do. And we do the good checklist, like come to church every time the door's open, pay your tithe check, right? Feed the homeless when you get a chance, be nice, right? Then that really, that's the Ten Commandments modernized. Every mainline denomination is built on that. Because no one would say, well, the Ten Commandments are bad. They're not for you, but if you want to do them, this is why. And this is why people in the body of Christ are sick. Let's see what the Bible says. Paul says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Even though Jesus paid an enormous price to, re to reverse the power of the curse in your life, if you continue to do the works of the law, then you put yourself back under the curse. Because remember what, what the thing was, was that you had to do all. You had to do all the words of the law. Remember that? That if you didn't, then the curse came on you. How many? If you don't know, do you know all the words that are in this? The first five books of the Bible was the law. Do you know all the words in there? I don't. So how do you, I can't do them all if I don't know them all. So what you had is this group called the Pharisees, so they decided to memorize. So if the first thing that they had to do was know it all, they memorized them all. Do you know what those people were trying to do? Was build equity with God by doing their works of keeping the law. And that's what Christianity is based on today. So why do good people get sick? This is the very first indicator for me. Is if you're trying to keep the Ten Commandments, are you, or let me put it this way. Do you feel like you have an obligation or that you have to do something in order to God to like you better? Or don't do something for God to like you better than you are putting yourself under the law? Let me put it in everyday language. If you feel like you have to do something 
so that God will like you better, you'll be in His good, quote, graces, you've put yourself under the law, and you've put yourself under the what? Curse. And the curse was every disease that's in the book and every disease that ain't in the book, and the ones that you're afraid of will cleave to you till you are dead. Why do good people get sick? Even though Jesus paid the price. Is healing for today? Yeah. And you know what? That's the, that is the damnable shame of it is that ministers throughout the last 1,700 years of church history have placed believers under the curse by putting them under the law of putting obligation on you or guilt on you to do or not do certain things so that God will like you better or that you could receive from Him. That He will accept you. He accepts you because you accepted Jesus. And we saw this the last time we were at this, was that Jesus doesn't hold anything against the whole world. Even if you didn't accept Jesus, He still doesn't hold anything against you. And you know what? We'll go through life tolerating sickness. We might not think that God did it to us, but we won't buy into the, the, the price that Jesus paid and get rid of what we got which brings me to the next reason. If this isn't the thing that's keeping you down, and you know God's not doing it, and you're, you're, no, you're not, you don't have a problem with, you know, I just believe Jesus, what He did is enough, then there's another reason. If you made that first cut, the next one is, is that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. You just don't know. You don't know what belongs to you, and you don't know how to hook up with it to have it show up in your life. Isn't that, I mean, Right? If healing belongs to us today, how do we get it? And there is people here around, they believe healing does belong to us today because they've seen a few folks get healed, but they don't know how to get it for themselves. It's kind of a mystery. You know, well, God heals one and He doesn't heal another. You ever, well, I don't know why so-and-so, why God chose to heal one and didn't she who choose to heal the other. You ever heard that? That is just stupid. It's really, it's blasphemy. Because what you're saying is, is God is nothing more than a petty dictator who like, will take out somebody he doesn't like but hook up somebody that he does like. And we, can't, we don't know the reason. Stupid. If Jesus was hung on the cross to redeem us from the curse, that's what it says, that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, it, why would only some people get healed then? Did Jesus only die for some people? No, He died for the whole world. And He holds nothing against anybody in the whole entire world, whether you're in covenant or you're not a covenant. Y'all following with this? So the very next thing that we've got to ask ourselves is, okay, how, if you do accept the fact that Jesus paid the price and healing is for today, if you've got to that far, and we're not under the curse, we've got to say, how, 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 Andrew, do I hook up with that and get it to operate in my body? And it's the easiest, let me make this statement because it'll shock you, is getting healed and getting somebody healed is the easiest thing on planet Earth. It's the easiest thing that there is. I mean, it's so easy, it's simple, it's ridiculous. And you know what? It tears me up when people, they, don't, they, they have no understanding of it, and, it, and they're, they're like groping around blindfolded, hoping that they could touch onto the thing that'll get them, that, hook that thing up, that they might, their ship might come in and they would get healed, get rid of whatever the ailment is. It's the easiest thing in the world. Now, we're going to walk through this so that you can appropriate it any time in your body for you and then help other people. 
couple things. Now, if you don't forfeit your rights, that means you would have to assert your rights. If forfeiting your rights would leave you sick, to be healed, the first thing you've got to know is that you've got to assert your right to be healed. Y'all following that? It ain't going to fall on you. If it did, you would have never, ever got the sniffles in the first place. <laughs> right? Alright, now, let's look at a couple scriptures before we go up to this one, which we already know. They're all in Isaiah right now. Go to Isaiah 1. Now, Doug said something last week when he was uh, uh, speaking that it just drove, it just uh, went straight through me. He said that his worth was not based on somebody else's results. And his success was not based on somebody else's success. So look, if you don't believe this, it ain't going to change the fact that I do. If you don't get healed, it's not going to change the fact that I do get healed anytime I need to. And I can help you get healed, but if you don't want to believe it, you reject knowledge, I can't help you. So that's the first thing. And you know what? A lot of people don't get healed because they just don't think it's for them or for today. Like, I know God could do it, but I don't think He'll do it for me. Okay? He already did it. First thing here in Isaiah uh, chapter 1 and verse 18, this is God talking. And He said, listen, He said, Come now and let us reason together. (laughs) Well, you know what that tells me? That we're not going to check our brains at the door when we come sit down and talk to God about sickness. Whether it's allergies, cancer, a bum knee, a bad neck, it doesn't matter what it is. And we'll get to all those things here as we go on. But the first thing we need to do is sit down and have some reason. Now, if God is your Father, any of you, even your earthly Father, would your earthly Father even, I don't think they would even say this over you, but even if they were crazy enough to say it, I don't believe that they would do it, would strike you with cancer to teach you something. You know, you were late for curfew. I'm striking you with cancer. Would that be reasonable? So why would you think it's reasonable that God would do that to you? First thing. First thing, let us reason together. Let's have some reason about this because that's just stupid, unreasonable thinking that God would make you sick. If He's your Father and you wouldn't make your kids sick and your Father wouldn't make you sick, why would your earthly Father, why would you think your heavenly Father would? For some reason, when we get to talking about healing, people check their reason at the door. Alright, so that's the first thing. You got that? You might want to write that down. Because when you're talking to somebody that tells you, well, I think God has put this on me to teach me something. Let's reason together. It says in Isaiah 1 and verse 18, God says, come let us reason together. That doesn't sound reasonable to me that a father would do that to their child. Alright, now, over here to chapter 43 of Isaiah. Hallelujah. I, I, I love the covenant. I love the covenant. I love healing. Now, you said, Andrew, you said getting healed is the easiest thing on the planet. It is. Does that mean you don't get sick? No, I get attacked a lot. What it means is I run it off. And I don't let it set up shop in my house. Either my physical body or in my household. I don't let it set up shop in my family's bodies either. Now, over here in Isaiah 43 in verse 25, this is God talking again. He said, I, even I, am He that blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will, remember, I will not remember your sins. 
Remember, we saw that verse before, right? He, he chooses not to remember and He blots out your transgressions so you're perfect when you come before Him. And then He says this, Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Plead your case before Him and declare that you might be justified or that you would get a winning sentence. So here's the first thing that you've got to know is that because you'll, hell will tell you this, you don't deserve to get healed. You know what you did. You know you've been eating Twinkies. You know you ain't been exercising right. You know you weren't taking your supplements. Tell you where you missed it. God says, I don't remember where you missed it. You come up here and you put me in remembrance of my word, plead your case, and declare what you want as a winning sentence. Alright? So here we go. Father, Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was every sickness that's in the book and every sickness, any sickness or disease that there is. I've been redeemed from that. That It's been reversed in my life. You said it, not me. Now I declare I'm healed. Well, I just know no, I wouldn't do that. That's embarrassing. Well, go in the bathroom, turn the shower on and the fan, turn the radio on real loud so no one could hear you say it in case there's a little spy bug in there that somebody might actually hear it, you know, that's listening in on you, and say it out loud and go to the Father and declare what you want. You know what? I've run into people. They absolutely, positively, no matter what, will not declare that. They will not. I could not get them to say, Father, I thank You that I'm healed. It wouldn't come out of their mouth, no matter what. I couldn't trick them into it. I tried to, you know, get them to say it. I, you know, twist their ear until they cried, Uncle, say it, say it, say it, I'm healed. No, they will not do it. Guess what? You ain't going to be them. They just couldn't bring themselves to say it. Now, they'll say stuff out loud to inanimate objects. Like, like if the car battery was dead, they'd be cussing the car. Can't believe you don't want a car, blah, 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 you ain't worth nothing. Right? Or go ahead and, you know, stub your toe, you'd be screaming at the floor, or that rock, or whatever you... Am I lying? But you won't say nothing to your body, which is a lie. And it's yours, and you, it'll do what you say. But we won't say, uh, be healed. I call you healed, I call you healthy. Declare what you want the sentence to be. Now, come back over here to just a page to 41. Chapter 41 and verse 21. It's God talking again. He said, Produce your cause, says the Lord, and bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. So, if you won't even come up there and tell him, hey, look, the doctor said... X, Y, and Z. And here's the reasons why I don't want to die in three months. I got a lot of life left to live. I want to see, you know, my favorite football team win the national championship. If you can't come up with anything better, you know, even if you can't come up with nothing, at least come up with that. I got a wife and kids. I got a husband and kids. I got car payments to make. What are your strong reasons? I got stuff to do here on planet Earth. Here's my cause. The doctor said I'm dying in three months. He's not the giver of life. You are. And here's all the reasons why I want to live. See, people won't even... And, and it doesn't even have to be why you want to live. It'll be what you tolerate in your body, which we'll get to. It could be all the way down to a zit. If you have acne. Eyeglasses. Walker. Cane. Yeah, every time if you play basketball, you've got to strap up with the ace bandage. Or as soon as it's over, you're going to have to pop Advil and put the ice packs on. 
all the way down to that. You're not going to. And then look at the next thing he says. He says, "Let them bring forth and show me, show us what will happen. Let them show the former things what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare us for what things to come." What he says is, "Now you come up here." and do an after-action. Tell me what happened to you in the past, and how did that work out? And now tell me what you want it to happen in the future. So this is what I do. Every time I come up against something in my body, I do an after-action report, and I sit down with God, and I say, alright, what just happened? Where did I miss it? If this thing... Like, let's say that... Um, <clears throat> I let a sinus, a cold thing, run into my body, and it turns into the flu. Y'all ever have that happen? Where it just sticks around and it just gets worse? After about a week, and then, you know... Well, I'll try and run, you know, I'll be like, all right, God, where did I miss it that that thing set up shop in my body? And we'll get to all this later, but it's usually the initial response. That I just tolerated it for the first three days until it set up shop in my body, and now I've got it for the next two months. But if you don't sit down with God and take an after-action report of in the past, and where do I want to go in the future next time this happens to me? You'll just let this thing keep happening. See, this is where people, they don't walk in health because they won't take the time to sit down with the Father and find out where they missed it in the past or where someone else missed it. You all tracking with me on this? After action, you've got to sit down with the Father and find out what is going on and where to... You know what? We won't even sit down on like regular stuff. So if Am I lying? This is important. If you can't sit down just to have a relationship with them on any other level, then I want to walk in health or whatever issue is in your body that you're tired of dealing with. Let's find out, Father. Here's the deal. This is what happened in the past. This is what I want to happen in the future. Where am I missing it? Where is the disconnect? If Christ has redeemed me from the curse, where am I missing it? I'm hitting some stuff all over the place. But we're going to narrow, you know how we do, we drill down, we'll drill down. And I don't know how long it'll take us to get through this, but I'll tell you what, by the time we're done, none of y'all should, if you apply what we teach, you will have no issues in your body by the time we're done. Whatever, whatever issue you, you know, and there's stuff that you could tolerate that you might like. Some people, they like to have ailments. Because it gets, it's their get out of jail free card, get out of work free card, to be honest with you. How I many of you can't have a sick day if you ain't sick? Now, Isaiah 53.5. But He was wounded for our transgressions. Remember, transgressions are your own purposes. He was bruised for our inequities. Remember, inequities is that you lived in not riches, honor, and life. You lived in lack, shame, and sickness. And the chastisement of our peace was on Him. And with His stripes... We are healed. Are is what? Present tense. I know we've got to do a little grammar here, but present tense. You already are healed. You are healed. This was written in, and I put it down in the corner, 712 B.C. Jesus died. He took those stripes in 33 A.D. That's almost like 750 years before Jesus took stripes these people were healed, present tense, by those stripes that He didn't even take yet. That's how good God's Word is. It was the guarantee. Y'all following this? Now, if you are healed 750 years before Jesus took stripes, 
What do you think you would be now? We'll get to it. Just put it on the back burner. Go to the next one, Drew. Now, in Matthew 8, now this is like 31 or 32 A.D. This is Jesus talking. Well, it's not Jesus talking. It's right after He did some miracles. It's right after He did some miracles. And Matthew writes this about Jesus. Matthew 8 and verse 17. Now, this is one that you should underline and and put on a sticky note. Because it says this, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Do you remember where we just were? We were just in Isaiah. And weren't we in Isaiah for like when we're talking about reasoning together? That was in Isaiah. When we're talking about pleading your case, that was in Isaiah. When we're talking about producing your strong cause and doing your after-action report, that was in Isaiah. By Jesus' stripes, 750 years before He took them, that was in Isaiah. Matthew says, this is fulfilled by... Now, does Isaiah know something about healing, maybe? Isaiah the prophet, he said, himself, Jesus himself, took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now, we got two things here. Not just sickness... Because I love this because he took our infirmities. Infirmities means this. Any deteriorated capacity to live, especially feeble from age. Because i got people that will tell me, and they'll quote Ecclesiastes 12, that when you get old your eyes get bad and your ears get bad and you get crickety and crackety and that's just how it is. Really? Have you read your Bible? Because that might be how it is in Ecclesiastes, but now that Jesus came it says that He bore and took our infirmities and our sickness. So not just cancer, not just viruses, not just leprosy and AIDS, He took infirmities. Anything that would decrease your capacity to live life to its fullest. Whether it is an ankle brace, eyeglasses, whether you've got to be taking Claritin D every day, whatever it is that diminishes your capacity to live life to its fullest, Jesus took on Himself. Bad back, bad knee, Whatever it is that you just... And you know what? A lot of us, not, we'll just tolerate stuff because that's just how it is. Or that's just old age, or it's my old football injury, or whatever. And when I first started to get a hold of this, I stopped tolerating all kind of stuff. I mean, I narrowed down to... I mean, I'll talk to cells. I get it down to that level. I'll talk to this cell and that cell in my body. This muscle and that muscle group. I talked to my body composition because I wanted at a certain, my body fat to be at a certain level. I talked to my hair because I like it. Do y'all find what I'm... Uh, now look, because Jesus, bear anything that would deteriorate your capacity to live life to the fullest. Do you know it says in Deuteronomy that Moses, when he died, he was 120 years old, it said that his eyes weren't dim, his ears weren't... Uh, diminished any, and his natural life force had not abated from him. He was as strong as he ever was. Caleb, remember this from the uh, Inheritance Series, 85 years old, and he goes and whips some giants and takes an entire city. And he whooped them so bad, they changed the name of the place. 85. You know what? The, you know what? <laughs> Those guys, way before Isaiah ever came up with by his stripes, we are healed way before Jesus ever took the stripes, way before Christ ever redeemed us from the curse of the law. Way before. 
So you know what? You can make excuses of why you can't get up the stairs or why you can't sit too long or why you know you get a crick in your neck after you drive the car for so many hours or why you have to have eyeglasses or why you got to have a hearing aid or any of those things. You can you can you can you, you know what? I don't judge you. It's up to you. I choose not to have them. I choose to go with what Jesus did. He said he took them, then I'm giving I'm not keeping them. If he took them, I don't want them back. 1 Peter 2 and verse uh, 24. Who His own self bear our sins in His body on the tree, that's the cross, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. What's righteousness? Riches, honor, and life. It's equity. Remember, the word righteousness is equity and God's equity is riches, honor, and life. That we should live in riches, honor, and life. That we should. Look, He paid the price that we should. That we should. How many know that doesn't mean that you do? If you should do something, that doesn't mean you automatically do it. You tracking? He paid the price that you should live in riches, honor, and life. Oh, and by the way, by whose stripes ye were past tense healed. If 750 years before Jesus got here, healing was present tense, Peter wrote this in 64 A.D., it's past tense. Jesus is not going to take any more stripes on His back to provide for your healing. Jesus is not going to do one more thing to get you healed. If you think, well, while God healed one and He didn't heal another, wrong! He provided for healing for everybody one time when He took stripes on His back in 33 A.D. You're already healed. You're already healed. I don't care what... Now see, here we go, right? Why do my body does this? Or why that... Somebody's lying. Right? If the Bible says I've already been healed, and my body says, no, you ain't, somebody's lying. Right? Now, do I take God's Word for it, who I know the Word says that He's not a man that He should lie, or do I take my body's Word for it, who lies to me all the time? Like this one hill that I run up, every time I start running up that hill, it's telling me, you're going to die, you're going to die, you need to walk, you're going to die, you had a breath, you're about to keel over and die. Yeah, yeah, not one time have I keeled over and died. My body lies to me all the time. It tells me that I'm hungry. You ain't hungry, you just want a snack. Hungry is you ain't ate for three days. Now let's talk Hungry. But, you know, I just ate dinner two hours ago and I want a bowl of ice cream because I'm hungry. No, you ain't. Your body's lying to you. It's lying. Somebody's lying. So whose word are we going to take? I take God's word. You could believe whoever you want. You could believe your body. Most people do. Now, a couple years ago, I was uh, sitting back in my chair that my wife got me for Christmas one year. You know, my Captain Kirk chair. You know, on the TVs, I don't have a big screen TV. I just got, you know, you know, it's not a big one. But I was reading, like, the paper or something. And now the TV was on, and I looked at the TV. And you know how those graphics are on, like, the bottom of the news channel? Well, I couldn't read that. My eyes are, I'm like, what's going on? First thing my body told me was, you know, you're getting old, you're going to need some reading glasses. That's what happens when you get to this age. That was the thing that my body said. You know, I already been on this for a while. I said, no, 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 no. So I started adding that I will have 20-20 vision in my eyes and that they're quick to focus both near and far. I say that over myself every day. I mean, I don't know how a problem with this is. That was like five years ago. 
Yeah, that's stupid. Uh huh, and it works. Or you could not and then don't have it. I don't judge you. Look, really, seriously. Because there's issues in my body that I tolerate. I, I really, you know what? If healing is for today, and, and Jesus took my infirmity, anything that would diminish my capacity to live my life. Let's, you know, my son Jack, when he was in first grade, we went to the dentist and they took an x-ray and he had a cavity, lo and behold. Big one, too. He came home, he was all scared because he didn't want to get drilled and filled. So you know, I said, I said, you know, Jack, you don't have to get drilled and filled. I don't. No, if you want to believe God that your teeth will be healed, I'll, I'll agree with you. We'll believe together. You're going to keep the dentist appointment. I'll get them to take another x-ray. If the cavity's gone, you don't have to get drilled and filled. If it's still there, we're getting drilled and filled. Not that I'm just going to believe that it's healed and we don't go back and check. He's like, okay. So we agreed. We grabbed hands, we agreed in prayer, yep. A month later, we went to the dentist. Could you take another x-ray? They didn't really like it that much, but you know what, I'm paying for it, so they don't really care. They're making money on it, right? So okay, we take a shot. Well, lo and behold, the cavity's gone. Doctor comes in. Yeah, the cavity's gone, but we need to drill, blah, 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 blah. Could get infected, blah, blah, blah. Whoa, 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 stop. What was the first thing you said? The cavity's gone. I mean, no, it didn't compute in his mind because cavities just don't disappear. That's the first time I run into it. I didn't know we could get cavities healed. So I don't judge you wherever you're at. See what I'm saying? What we need to do is love each other and encourage one another for knowledge to knock out stuff in our bodies. So whatever you want to tolerate, is, it's fine. I mean, no one's going to be like, well, I'm not going to be like the, you know, the uh, ailment police. You know, are you gelling? Why do you have those gelling things? You got a corn on your foot? Why don't you just pray for it? You know, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? There's, no, there's nothing, okay? Whether you have it or you don't have it, is, is, we're not going to judge you either way. However, your life will be a whole lot better, especially on major issues, like if you can't breathe, I need a breathalyzer, right? Asthma. You all following what I'm saying? Okay, now, look, I've had people say this. Go, they would say this. Well, they take these verses and they'll say this. That's for our sins, brother. Well, that's for spiritual healing. Have you heard that? This is what's taught in mainline churches is that these verses are for spiritual healing. This word, the word healed. By His stripes ye were healed. The Greek word is the cured. To be cured. And it is used 28 times in the New Testament. But every, and every one of them are used in the context of physical healing. Blind eyes were opened. Somebody that was lame got up and walked. Somebody who had an arm that was missing, it grew back. What? Yeah. Somebody who was deaf, their ears were open. Someone who had leprosy was cleansed and healed. Every time that that word is used in the New Testament is used in physical healing. It's not spiritual healing. Which brings us to our next thing. People who say that, you know, by Jesus' stripes we are healed as for our sins... They just have no understanding of the covenant. Now, I want you guys real quick to remember the covenant steps. Do you remember? We're going to go over really fast. Nine steps. First one was we exchanged coats. Then we exchanged weapons. Then we cut the animals down the center. We walked that figure eight walk. Everything that I have is yours. Remember that? Then we mixed our blood. 
Then we did a scar. We cauterized the wounds. The covenant scar. Remember that? Okay. Then we would change names. We would take a covenant name and we would recite the covenant vows, kind of like a wedding. Remember? I do. I do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Then number eight was we had a meal of bread and wine, communion. And number nine was we planted a tree with blood on it, sprinkled blood. Remember? Oh, there's the covenant steps. Now, Jesus had to do three of those steps, if you remember. All the rest of them were done in Abraham's time. Jesus, virgin birth, his blood, God's blood was mixed with human blood, right? That's why we had the virgin birth. Check. The other thing was, they didn't, Abraham didn't have the meal of, blood, uh, of bread and wine. That was communion. Jesus did that one, remember, with the Last Supper? Check. And then the cross was Jesus up on it. They planted the tree with blood sprinkled on it. Nowhere in those nine steps did he have to be beaten to complete the covenant. Animal sacrifice in Israel, right, to, in order to push sins back, what they do? They split the throat and put the blood up on there. Did they ever beat the thing before they put it up there? No. It was blood sacrifice, not beat and blood sacrifice. So I want you to understand is that what Jesus did when He took stripes on His back is He took a detour from what his mission was. He didn't have to go get beaten. All he had to do was get nailed to the cross. Mission would have been accomplished. Wouldn't have been near as painful. But he took a detour to get beaten and to get that scourging so that you could be healed. Now, I'll prove it to you in the Scripture. So it ain't preacher's words. In fact, we'll use Jesus' words. When he was at the Last Supper, giving the communion... He told exactly why he went to get scourged. In Matthew 26 and verse 26, it's the Last Supper. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and He blessed it and He broke it and He gave it to the disciples and He said, Take, eat, this is My body. Number 27, verse 27, He said, And He took the cup and He gave thanks and He gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is My Blood of the newly completed, it says in the Greek, test covenant, testament, which is shed for many for the what? Mission of sins. So what was the blood for? The blood was shed for what? Sins. The blood was shed so that your sins would be taken away. Blood was for sins. Now what about the body? In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul gives us the backside of this. He tells us another snippet of what happened. And uh, this is also in red in, in my Bible. This is the words of Jesus. In verse 23 it says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. This part is in red, the next verse. That the Lord Jesus, the same night which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He gave thanks, He broke it and He said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. The blood was for what? Sins and the body was broken for you, for your healing, for your health, so that you don't have to have any diminished capacity to live natural life. Communion is not just some religious hoo-ha. Every time we take step number eight of the covenant, what we remember is that the blood was shed for my sins, so now I'm perfect when God looks at me. (laughs) The body was broken so that I could have healing and health. He didn't have to have his body broken. Sins would have been covered. So anybody that says healing isn't for today, they don't know what they're talking about. If all it was is sins that were covered, it was just sins that would get to heaven and he had spiritual healing, 
then all he had to do was shed blood. He never had to take one stripe on his back. He never had to be beaten. He didn't need the crown of thorns. Y'all following this? Now, whether you buy into it or not is completely up to you, but I will tell you this. It is the easiest thing on the planet to get healed and to walk in health. It's the easiest thing. It's as easy as you know you're forgiven of your sins. Now, some people, they have a problem with that. So if you can't get over that my sins are forgiven, it's going to be hard for you to accept healing. But it's a package deal. When you get born again, you got your sins washed away and healing was provided for. That very second for you when you entered into the covenant, it's already done. So don't be asking God to heal me. Oh, please heal me. Please heal me, God. Why haven't you healed me? Because He already did everything He's going to do about it. Y'all following what I'm saying? Well, again, a lot of this isn't popular because, again, it's not a no-fault belief system. If first we think God's doing it to us, then it's nothing that I did. It ain't the fact that I ate 5,000 Twinkies and supersized it every day, right? And if we don't think that God's doing it to us, we don't know why He hadn't taken it off of us, when in fact He's already did. The same time He took care of your sins, He took care of your ailments and your infirmities, anything that would diminish your capacity to live life, it's already taken care of. But if we don't buy it, then, then whose fault is it if we don't have healing? If it's already done, see now again, it's not a no-fault belief system. We've got to look at ourselves and then say, where did I miss it? And that's why it said in Isaiah, he said, come declare unto me your strong reasons. Give me your strong reasons. Produce your cause. And let's have an after-action report. Let's figure out where you missed it in the past. And let's declare what we're going to do in the future. So we don't beat up ourselves over in the past. But what I want to do every time I come up against a, a case whether it's somebody that I know, somebody that I heard of, somebody I'm related to, or me, I look at that case and I sit down with it and go, where, if healing wasn't manifest, if we didn't get healed, or that person didn't get healed, or they did die, where did we miss it? Where did we miss it? And you know what? I can sit with somebody for probably about 30 seconds and tell you whether they're going to receive healing or not. Within 30 seconds. It's not a snap judgment. I could tell, do you want it? Do you want to live life? Do you have strong reasons? Whether you're born again or not, somebody will tell what we call in the medical world the will to live. And somebody has the will to live will beat stuff 90% of the time just on that alone. So, you know what? Let's dial into this and get rid of anything in our life that we're tired of tolerating or anything that would diminish our capacity for life. But you know what? It's, it's kind of, you're not going to have any excuse now. If you don't want to do something, you're just going to have to tell somebody, I don't want to do something, not my rheumatism's acting up. You can't hide behind that. You can't say my, my this, my that, and expect to be healed. We'll get to all that. But your words, which comes out of your mouth, plays a huge part. Because you're telling your body what to do. Like I said, we'll talk to a car. You know, when the battery goes out or whatever, or we stumble, we'll talk to an animal. You've got to talk to your body, too, and tell it what you want. It's your body. Whose body is it? Right. It does what I say. We go to the bathroom when I say we go to the bathroom. I mean, that's one of the first things you do growing up is get potty trained. It's dominating your flesh. I mean, we, sometimes we never take a pass there. Some people never taken it past controlling when they go to the bathroom. That's as far as they went dominating their flesh. It all plays a part into whether you're healed or not, or whether you walk in health. Because nobody in the body of Christ should need healing. We should walk in health. 
Healing isn't for us anyway. You know who healing's for? People that aren't born again. People that aren't, that aren't in church. People that are in the world. Healing isn't for in here. It's for out there. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Father, as we die, uh, hone in on this and just, uh, just grab a hold of it, Father, help us uh, in, in each area uh, of our life physically, whether it is our eyes or our teeth or our knees or our back or whatever ailments or infirmities or weakness, help us to come together with You, reason it out, figure out where we're missing it, and teach us going forward how to get to the end result which we declare is health. And I thank You for Your help in that, Holy Spirit. I thank You for it. Bring this stuff back to our remembrance, Holy Spirit, during the week. Whenever anything comes up on us, whether it's that first onset of, of a cold or sniffles or a cough, or it's allergies or a, 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 you know, a tight neck, whatever it is, bring this back to our remembrance and know that we've already had healing paid for us. That it's already ours. That our initial response is, no, I'm healed. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.